Tandem Nomads, episode 47. I remember sitting in Cairo two weeks after my fourth child was born, and I was so restless. And I thought, here I have this gorgeous baby on my lap, and why am I restless? And it was about career, and I had mm. never, I never anticipated that. Sometimes I think we have to kind of take a step back, and that's one thing I would probably really want to communicate to new expatriates is be really aware of your surroundings, of how you're developing as a person in the midst of this. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Nomad Nation, before we go into the topic of this episode, I have a quick announcement for you. We are going to have a voice party very soon. A huge party on the Tandem Nomads podcast where we can hear and where you can share your voice with us. I really can't wait to celebrate with you this voice party where you can send me a little message and I will share it on Tandem Nomads for the 50th episode of Tandem Nomad. So for more details, stay put until the end of this episode. I will share all the information with you on how you can do that and celebrate with us and be part of this great voice Party. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is ML Deregi, and I'm excited to introduce you our guest today, Marilyn Gardner. Marilyn, are you ready for the ride? I am. So Marilyn is an American third culture kid who grew up in Pakistan. Currently, she lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. As she says, her claim of fame is that she gave birth to five kids on three continents and went on to raise them in Pakistan and Egypt before moving to the U.S. Marilyn is an author, speaker, trainer, and consultant. In fact, along the years, she has found a unique way to combine her experience in healthcare as a nurse with her journey navigating across cultures. She, for instance, began blogging in 2011 following a trip to Pakistan where she worked as a nurse with internally displaced people. The blog turned into a book called Between Worlds, Essays on Culture and Belonging. Marilyn, this is a very short overview of who you are. Is there anything I missed? And tell us what's happening in your world today. That's actually great. I always have to smile at the, you know, five kids on three continents. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes I think, really? I did that? Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. So you absolutely got it right. And right now I'm sitting in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a place that I never uh, envisioned myself to be. I live right between Harvard and MIT. And uh, we lovingly say we live in the rest of Cambridge. There's ha the Harvard Cambridge, there's the MIT Cambridge, <laughs> and then there's the rest of us. And so that's where I live now, and I actually work downtown Boston. Mm. Okay, so what are you doing now in Boston? So I actually work as a public health nurse. Uh, about eight years ago, we moved back to the Boston area. We had moved here when we left our, our living overseas. And that particular time of living in Massachusetts was terrible for me. It was, I call it my seven-year culture shock. 
Mm-hmm. I hated America and America hated me was the way the best way to describe it. So eight years ago, actually, we moved back to the area. We had then gone to Phoenix and then we moved back to the area. And this time it's been really completely different. And a big part of it is, as you say, I feel like I've been in a really different place career-wise and in a different place of taking those, you know, best of skills as a as a global nomad, as a third culture kid, and combining them with this occupation as a nurse to create something that uh, that works for me. And it's one of those things that you kind of, sometimes I think you have to take a step back and think and realize what you have. Because in, in the past few years when I've talked about what I do to others, that's when I've realized, yeah, I really have blended it. I mm-hmm. don't think I have because there's always this part of me that thinks I should be living overseas. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I have blended it. So I work with uh, at the Department of Public Health in Massachusetts, and I work with immigrant and refugee communities around uh, public health, public health screenings. Specifically, I also work with community health workers, and this is a workforce uh, that is primarily made up of immigrants and refugees who are identified by their community as people who uh, can, can serve the community around community health. And so what I do with them is I do training. Mm-hmm. What and do you that, train them? Right. So I train them in, uh, they, they come with these amazing skills. They're bi, tri, quadrilingual. They come from all over the world. I had a class, la- I have a class right now with people from Iraq and Vietnam and Syria and the Dominican Republic, uh, from Puerto Rico, from Colombia, from Ecuador, and and more, and Um. from Brazil, from all over. But what brings them together is is, uh, being in this workforce. And so they come with these amazing skills. What I do is I give them a training that helps equip them to work in the world of American medicine. Absolutely amazing. This is great. That is it the, the, the government that's organizing this infrastructure for them to, to ex- at the end be able to assimilate and integrate American life? Right. So in, in this case, our, our state provides the training. We, the, the, the funding is actually partially federal and partly state. Mm-hmm. So the, the state provides the training and the community wealth, uh, health workers, sorry, the community health workers come from different clinics around the state. So it's actually one of a workforce we're really trying to build up because we see it as such a niche for newcomers. Uh, and, and so many of them are so incredibly gifted and educated and, and, and bright but often they don't have the education that translates. So, uh, so they might be nurses, doctors, lawyers in their country of origin, but through the immigration process, through the refugee process, their education is not recognized, which actually is, uh, is one of my, uh, if, I, if I could, I would change that dramatically because I feel like we have 
a, a huge skill set that is not being utilized the way I would like to see it utilized. Hmm. In the meantime, though, we do have this community health worker workforce, which I feel incredibly honored to be working with because I, this is the, these are the people that I'm working with. This is a really amazing, and there's so many. Uh, this is the reason why I called you in for, in Tandem Nomads was really I was very fascinated how you managed actually to take a job that's very difficultly portable. <laughs> for uh, I know a lot of you know doctors and expats, spouses who are nurses who have an issue finding licenses and being able to transport their job from a country to another, and you did find a creative way to do it by providing trainings thanks to your background in nursing and your background in multiple cultures. So is there, can you take us through your career abroad? How did you manage to continue your career from a country to another? Well, that is an excellent question. I remember sitting in Cairo two weeks after my fourth child was born, and I was so restless. And I thought, here I have this gorgeous baby on my lap, and why am I restless? And it was about career, and I never, mm. I never anticipated that. And it was soon after that I uh, began. I approached a community, uh, community center that was set up for expatriates, and I was able to partially through a friend, uh, partially because I was a nurse. I was able to begin doing prenatal classes, okay. and that was a, a perfect beginning. So uh, you know what expatriate uh, communities are like, people mm -hmm. from all over the world. And some of them had chosen to have babies in country. Others were, would be going back to their, uh, their countries of legal residence, their passport countries. But all of them, whether they were staying or leaving, all of them felt this need for prenatal education. So that's how it began. Then it was, uh, it was after my fifth child who was actually at, that was a surprise, an amazing, <laughs> amazing Five surprise. children. I mean, you and deserve an award for that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, actually, one of my friends, this is so funny, he's a nomad himself. We grew up together in Pakistan. But after my fifth child, he was actually in Kazakhstan at the time, and he found a medal that was given to Russian women who had five children, so I have that, and I'm so proud of that medal. That's so funny. I actually kind of did get a medal. You did get that medal. That's, <laughs> That's right. funny. So, so Jonathan was born, and again, this beautiful baby, and I'm restless. You know, it's just like, oh. And then on, on, on a job actually opened up with an oil company to be a liaison in their clinic, really between the Egyptian health system and their employers, who again were from all over the world, but there were a huge, huge number from Texas. And I worked two days a week uh, as, as a nurse in that capacity, and then I was on call some of the time. So that was a, an excellent, those were really excellent ways of connecting this nursing background with the communities that I was in. It's interesting though, because at, at FIGT in the Netherlands, the Families in, in Global Transition Organization, just FIGT. <laughs> Good, thank you. Uh, so I had this interesting conversation with someone because I began to realize 
I wonder what would have happened if I had continued overseas. The, the reality is we ended up in the United States. And for me, that was incredibly difficult. I knew expatriate communities. I knew overseas living. I knew being a third culture kid. But the idea of translating all of that into a small town in America seemed impossible, <laughs> really impossible. And so it was sort of, uh, I, I, I was wondering, you know, well, if I had stayed, you know, you kind of go through this, well, if we had stayed, what then? And the reality is that's not what we did. But it was one of those moments of being really grateful for the trajectory that we ended up on. Uh, there's many, many times where I've wanted to go back overseas, mm. but it, it, but it was, it was at that moment kind of a, a, a chance to retrace and think. I'm, I am really grateful for the trajectory that my career has been able to take. This is, the, it is an amazing trajectory that you did have, uh, Marilyn. And I'm gonna try to find a way to dissect because you've been talking about so many important topics at once, <laughs> starting with you know when you saying you're you were restless, although you had your baby in your arms and were so happy, but you couldn't be fully happy. And then you spoke about your personal experience of being a TCK, growing out of your country, your passport country, and trying to repatriate and readapt to your own country. You also mentioned how, you know, uh, you managed to keep your job as a nurse, uh, although in, in a country that wasn't yours, Egypt. Um, so a lot of topics here. So what, why don't we start maybe with your background in Pakistan? Do you feel like it's your home? Oh, Oh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> for, for years I did, and there's still, I would say Pakistan and the Middle East are the places where I feel most at home. I returned to Pakistan, as you said in the, in the beginning, in, 2000, in October of 2010, and it was indeed like going home. Hmm, interesting. So what made you, was it your partner's job that made you move to Egypt and then to the U.S.? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so after Pakistan, I came to the United States, became a nurse, went back to Pakistan. Then uh, that was a whole story in itself. And then when I, I ended up actually getting deported, and I ended up in Chicago, and I met my my partner, my husband, Cliff. And as a, we uh, went to Pakistan. I want to say nine months after we met, we went to Pakistan and we got engaged. And then we returned to the United States and six months later we got married. And we just, both of us, wanted to uh, have children raise a family overseas. It was, even though my, hu my husband had grown up in the military, so he was a military kid, so he knew that uh, wanderlust and that love of travel. And then, and I, of course, had grown up as a third culture kid. So we returned to Pakistan, and it was his job where we, we went to Pakistan, and then we went to Egypt, Cairo, Egypt. 
So you're absolutely right. It was his job. Interesting. So how was the procedure for you? Because you said that, well, we, we skipped the whole deported thing. <laughs> Another story. <laughs> Another story. <laughs> Must be very interesting, though. We'll go to it if we have time. But you basically went back to the U.S. after growing up in Pakistan, got your degree in nursing and started your career there. And then you met with your husband and had this idea of going back to Pakistan and, and growing and raising a family abroad. Uh, so it was a, your both wish to go abroad. But was there any moment where you questioned what you were going to do for your career? That's so interesting because I, I'm just remembering a moment in Pakistan right before we sort of went to Egypt where I remember thinking, what do I want to do? Like, like thinking ahead. My kids are little now, but what do I want to do? How can I keep up with being a nurse how can I mm -hmm. because I, I actually really loved being a nurse I loved the relationships it brought me I loved the how you could get to know people I loved the healing aspect of it yeah. so, but then it was in Egypt where it sort of reached this head of okay he's busy doing these things and what what does this mean for me where where will I go from here mm-hmm At the same time, Egypt as well had really rich and wonderful friendships. I was very involved with a couple of different things at church and in the community. So, uh, so that, you know, that was a start to using, I think, using the things that I was good at. It might not have been my career, but things I was good at to, to continue developing as a person. So what did it help you to do that personal development and reach that, you know, point where you were happy in Egypt and managed to do that great job that was being a liaison in the hospital between, if I understood well, the expatriates and, and the local doctors? Right, right. So, so I think partly it was just this getting involved in the community prior to that gave me a good feel for the community. We were not just two years in Egypt, so we were seven years. Mm -hmm. And when I took the job, the job as the liaison, we had already been there five and a half mm -hmm. years. And so I had developed connections within the community. So I would say that's that was a big thing because connections in the community, no matter what, were going to help me. Mm. So no matter whether I ever worked or not, those connections would help me. Uh, developing, you know, continuing to develop, communica develop communication skills. Of course, you don't, while a job, you know, hones those skills, you don't need a job to continue to develop those skills. And when you're in a cross-cultural setting, living every single day, where these combined cultures, uh, so it wasn't just, you know, it was your family's culture, it was the broader Egyptian culture, it was the expatriate culture, it was different expatriates within the expatriate culture. Mm. So, you know, um, we were right across from the French school, we had different neighbors who were French, one of my best friends was French, uh, people from the UK, people from all these different countries around the world, really. So that cross-cultural communication piece w was being developed all along. Interesting. And I think 
as I think about this whole conversation in tandem nomads, I think that sometimes as nomads, we're not aware of what we're developing hmm. while, while we're developing it. Sometimes we think it has to have a price tag, it has to have a salary attached to it to be meaningful. And while I am incredibly grateful for my salary and it has helped put children through college, I do think that that is challenged when you're in expatriate communities. And I think that it needs to be challenged, that it, it that we can still be developing as people. Certainly, I did not start getting a, a good paycheck until well into you know, my, my career, but my career was still growing. My, 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 I, as a person, I was still growing. And so sometimes I think we have to kind of take a step back. And that's one thing I would probably really want to communicate to new expatriates is Mm -hmm. be really aware of your surroundings, of how you're developing as a person in the midst of this. That's such an important message you're sharing here, Marilyn. Thank you so much for that, because you've been talking a lot about the value of the community, you know, being involved in the community and how it has helped you to develop and and also how actually developed skills yourself without even realizing. And it is important to sometimes step back and realize that we do have skills. You know, That's although we're not working, we do develop skills with this lifestyle. I just I just wanna just so affirm that statement uh, and and just you know, kind of urge people to take that step back and even if you need to start begin to write it down and think about these different things. I think it's important. It's powerful. Was there was there a moment where you had like an aha moment or did it just come slowly progressively to you realizing that you're really blending those two competences you have and two areas of competences? Wow. I think this this is going to sound crazy, but I think this year has been more of an aha moment mm-hmm. than probably ever before. But before that, I think when I began writing and I began actually chronicling some of this, until then it, it just was in my mind and memories. Once I began chronicling it, when I began telling the stories, and, and so telling the stories began before writing them. Telling the stories began through doing workshops and, you know, kind of blending these two pieces. So, because one of the pieces is doing workshops on culture and healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so the stories began to be told before they were written. So I think, I think probably as opposed to one major aha moment, there were several along the way where suddenly I realized wow, I'm doing things I love and I didn't realize it. So it's that taking those best of skills that we, you know, we have this hidden skill set. How do we make that visible? How do we make that hidden skill set, those skills that were developed and honed over this lifetime of moving, saying goodbye, transversing cultures, going here, going there, you know, figuring out who we are, what home is, all of that, that hidden skill set, once we can merge that with our current reality, 
then it becomes a fuller piece of us, I believe. Absolutely, absolutely. And what you have done to that, additionally to, you know, realizing how to blend your skills, you've developed new skills too, and maybe you had them and just exploded them more, is the writing part, because you added a, an additional aspect to your career, is the writing. So could you take us through that path? How'd, you insist a lot on, you know, stepping back, looking at our skills and writing them down. This is what you did, but you also made it public and made a book out of it. Could you take us through that journey? Nomad Nation, wasn't that fascinating how Marilyn managed to blend her skills as a nurse and her experience with multicultural environments and to make it her specialty, her zone of genius. So I hope that you will find your zone of genius and that this episode will lead you to think about how you can blend your skills to make something special out of it. And uh, as I just asked Marilyn, there's a second huge chapter of her life that was when she started writing. And I wanted to know much more about how she learned to develop Uh, her skills as a writer, what made her so successful at it, and what kind of tips she can share with us regarding uh, blogging and attracting a great number of followers. So that's the next episode that we're going to have next week together. And the other thing that Marilyn will share with us next week is also her experience in repatriation, which is for some people very, very difficult. And uh, we will see how she managed to deal with it, but also the reasons why it was so difficult for her. And it's really, really an interesting episode that we're going to have next week. So I'm looking forward to meeting with you at the next episode with Marilyn Gardner. In the meantime, do not hesitate to check out Marilyn's website, which is communicatingacrossboundariesblog.com. And now I'd like to make sure that you have all the information regarding the 50th episode voice party. So as I told you previously, we're going to have a huge voice party on the 50th episode of Tandem nomads where all of you can share your insights and your story share your voice and join the 50th episode voice party so this is what i'm offering to you send me a little audio of three to five minutes that you can record on your phone or on your computer via for example quicktime player it's very easy to set up so send it to me by email or via wetransfer.com which is a great platform to send documents to the email connect at tandemnomads.com and you just tell me in three to five minutes who you are why you listen to tandem nomads what you like about it but also don't hesitate to share any extra insight you would like to share with us and uh, if you have also a blog or a link you want to share feel free i'm going to collect all your messages and put them in the 50th episode of tandem nomads so i'm so much looking forward to our voice party together and uh, do not hesitate to reach out and talk to you very soon